You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. The fourth reason why we don't follow Aisha. Many of the hadith she narrates or are attributed to her are inappropriate and damage the dignity of Rasulullah I'm not just talking about any hadith in Bukhari, no there's many of them that really disrespect the Prophet but these are specifically from Aisha. I'll share with you these hadiths. So this hadith is in Bukhari, Urwa, the relative, uh, the nephew of Aisha, he narrates this. He says, An Aisha, from Aisha. Rasulullah. The Prophet entered my room. And I have two slave girls singing. So the Prophet, he basically lay down on a sheet, on a blanket. And he turned his face away. Like, you know, I'm not part of this. Then Abu Bakr came. And Abu Bakr, he reprimanded me, he rebuked me. Aisha's narrating this. And he told me, the instrument of shaitan is here in the house of the Prophet. The Prophet came to Abu Bakr and he tried to calm him down. He told him, Da'huma, it's okay. Let them, you know, they're playing. They're just having a good time. No problem. It's a day of Eid and let them play. Then after that, Aisha says outside there were slaves playing or boys playing because it's a day of Eid they're playing. Aisha said to the Prophet, Ya Rasulullah, I am interested in seeing what's happening outside but I'm not tall enough to see. So can you carry me on your shoulders so I can see? So the Prophet said, yeah sure, sure. Those boys dancing, let's watch them. So he carried Aisha on his shoulder and they began to saw and she had a really good time. This is a hadith that Aisha narrates in Bukhari. Why would I follow a woman and consider her a source of my religious beliefs when she says something so insulting about the Prophet like that? Is this appropriate? Number two, this is another hadith in Bukhari. Aisha says, my father Abu Bakr, he came and those two slave girls were singing, right? Abu Bakr said, you know, the, the, the trumpet or the musical instrument of shaitan in the house of the Prophet. The Prophet told him, yeah Abu Bakr, it's okay. Everyone has an Eid, it's their Eid today, let them play. Yani the Prophet's going to make an exception in his own house. He comes on the pulpit, he tells people no singing, but okay, in my house it's okay, it's a day of Eid. This is an insult to Rasulullah That's the first category of hadith that we have. From Aisha. The second category that we have are very inappropriate hadiths in which Aisha reveals inappropriate sexual information about the Prophet. In this hadith, Aisha, it has been attributed to her. She said, Allah, A man asked the Prophet, she asked, uh, Aisha says, a man, the Prophet was asked this scenario. A man is having an intimate relationship with his wife. Um, he can't finish to the end. 
Does he still have to do ghusl? فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَآلَهِ إِنِّي لَأَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ أَنَا وَهَذِهِ ثُمَّ نَخْتَصِرْ The Prophet said, yeah, me and this Aisha, we, we have the same situation, but I still do take a shower. That means I become intimate with her and then I can't finish till the end. So I go and I do take the shower. So yeah, he take the shower. Who narrates this? Aisha. If you have respect for your husband, for Rasulullah, is this something you say? First of all, the Prophet wouldn't say something like that. Number two, assuming he did, you go and narrate the sensitive information, why? Why would I follow a woman who doesn't have respect for her own prophet, for her own husband? For herself. For herself. And okay, she doesn't want to respect herself, don't respect yourself. This is the Prophet of Allah. Number three, Aisha narrates and claims the Prophet fell under the spell of magic, suhir. And Aisha, this is all by the way, this is all Bukhari. I'm not even bothering you with like secondary sources, this is just Bukhari. <coughs> Aisha narrates in Bukhari, سُحِرَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَآلَهِ حَتَّى كَأَنَّ كَأَنَّهُ يُخَيَّلُ إِلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ يَفْعَلُ الشَّيْءُ وَمَا يَفْعَلُهُ The Prophet was struck with magic, under the spell of magic, black magic, to the point where he thought he had done things, but he didn't. Yani he lost his mind, his, his memory. He thought he had done some things, but he really actually did not. And then, you know, she continues uh, to give an example of how the Prophet made mistakes in certain things because he was under the spell of magic. We don't need to go into the detail of that. My dear brothers and sisters, Surah Al-Furqan, in narrating what the Kafir said about the Prophet, says, uh, The Zalims, the oppressors say, you are following this man Muhammad who's mashur, who's under the spell of magic. The Quran's perspective is that the disbelievers would claim Muhammad was under the spell of magic and that's why he's reciting the Quran. So it's not really from God, it's from magic. Bukhari confirms that Aisha had the same view. She believed the Prophet was under the spell of magic. What the Quran attributes to the disbelievers Bukhari tries to confirm. What kind of a religion is this? This, I can, I can send you the actual text, uh, you know, um, because these are in, in different versions, chapters, I can send you the actual text. But these, this is the actual text from, you know, Bukhari. If you'd like the hadith number, I'll give you the hadith number here. You can look it up. Okay, so this is hadith 3028, 3028, the chapter is called Bad al Khalq, the beginning of creation and the sub chapter is called Sifatu Iblis wa Junood, the attributes of Satan and his soldiers, so hadith 3028. That's the source for this particular hadith. Okay, another um, disturbing category of hadith that we find from Aisha, 
The Quran is very clear. The Quran says to the men, to the husbands, do not be intimate with your wives when they are in their monthly cycle, in hayf, mahayf the Quran calls it. Aisha claims when she was in hayf, the Prophet would be intimate with her. And there's many hadiths by the way about this, you know, not just one or two, I'll just share with you one. First of all, Aisha says in one hadith, كَانَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَعَلَيْهِ يُبَاشِرُنِي وَأَنَا حَائِضٌ The Messenger of Allah would be intimate with me and I am in the state of حَيْضٌ And then she claims later on that I would wash him while I was in the state of حَيْضٌ She also claims that the Prophet, all oh, this is all in Bukhari by the way, she also claims that I was in the state of حَيْضٌ and the Prophet would basically put his head or lean towards my lap and he would read the Quran. Why mention these details? Is this something appropriate for a wife to do? My husband's head was in my lap and I was in hayf and he was reading the Quran or he was leaning on me. What's this nonsense? And then she also, you know, accuses the Prophet of approaching and being intimate with other women in the state of hayat. Tayyib, the Quran, there's a verse in the Quran that says, you husbands, you cannot be intimate with your wives in hayat. Yani Rasulullah is going to violate that? You want me to respect a woman who claims that? Or a book that claims that? You know, they, they, when you, when you read, uh, when you have discussions with Ahl Sunnah or read their books or the debates, the way they frame this, uh, discussion, it's as if we Shias have a personal grudge against Aisha and they get really disturbed, you know, I've seen some of their speakers, what is it you Shia and Aisha, why this hatred to Umm al-Mu'mineen? <laughs> it's not a matter of, of, of me making a personal issue, Surah Al-Tahrim as we've seen, it said their hearts strayed and they made a conspiracy and it never stated that they did Tawbah, remember that, we also examined how the Prophet in Bukhari said fitness from here. So I Hibat Yusuf or Sawahib Yusuf. And then these hadiths that she's narrating. And then uh, her not following the instruction of the Quran, leaving the house and mobilizing an army against Imam Ali. Why should I respect someone like that? It's not a matter of it being personal or not. Yes. What's confusing me is that if I were to be in their shoes and be narrating the hadith, like why would I narrate such hadith? And like, even if I'm in the Jew, I would know that this is wrong. Like, yani it's gonna, it's gonna Khalas, Ummul Mu'mineen said it. You know why? I'll tell you the analysis. The analysis is that Aisha wanted to show that she's so special and the Prophet was so desperate for her, even in the state of Hayd, he'd go next to her. That's the idea. It's to give the impression that I'm, I'm his favorite and that he loved me so much that he'd basically lose his mind when he, see, he sees me, that's the idea, that's the entire idea behind this hadith. Another hadith that Aisha narrates in Bukhari is that the Prophet wanted to commit suicide and basically you know when uh, Jibra'il comes to him and he squeezes him, he traumatizes him and he says, I can't read, what are you doing? And he, you know, gets uh, very upset and he wanted to commit suicide and then he went to Khadija, cover me, cover me. 
So this is something that you find also Aisha narrating, unfortunately. He went to the cave. Yeah, yeah, that's after cave Hira. Yeah, in Bukhari, basically, you know, he gives you the impression that he was being um, uh, squeezed and he tried to commit suicide, but Jibra'il stopped him. So, to summarize our analysis of these hadiths, you know, someone who narrates this hadith is not to be trusted and she has shown time and time again that she will exaggerate and fabricate hadiths to show she's the Prophet's favorite. I'm not going to trust someone with my religion, you know, someone like that with my, with my religious uh, beliefs. There is one argument that someone can make, even though there's no evidence for it, to vindicate Aisha and to basically, you know, keep her away from all these fabrications. We can say that Aisha never actually said this. Later narrators, maybe came, they came, they fabricated this, or Bukhari fabricated, or anybody, and they made basically put her in the link. It's possible theoretically, but it's very unlikely, because it's not one or two hadiths, it's multiple sources, multiple chains. So that usually like gives us confidence she said at least some of them, if not all of them, some of them. But theoretically, it is possible. Um, it's, it's also possible that Muawiyah was behind this because early on Aisha and Muawiyah were on the same camp against Imam Ali. After Imam Ali was assassinated, Muawiyah turned against Aisha and they became very bitter. In fact, we have historical evidence Muawiyah killed Aisha. In a long story, maybe we'll cover one day. So Muawiyah and Aisha became at odds just like she became at odds with Uthman and she um, actually actually asked people to go and you know um, punish him. It's possible that Muawiyah wanted to ruin her image so he paid narrators to fabricate these hadiths and attribute it to her to show like she was a low woman. Maybe, it's possible. I don't have, our scholars don't have any evidence for that but it's theoretically possible. But indications are she said them. But saying that, if that's the case, it backfired on him because now people praise her because of these hadith. Well, the people are stubborn, so they'll take a vice and turn it into a virtue. Yeah, Ahl Sunnah consider this a source of praise. You know, she's very uh, beloved by the Prophet. He can't leave her, he has to go next to her, even in that state. So, yes, later on, they had to somehow find a justification for it. So yeah, maybe it did backfire, assuming he did that. Like I said, there's no really historical evidence. It's just a thought that some scholars have had. No, this is Bukhari. Bukhari might be da'if. According to mainstream Sunnah, they do, but according to mainstream Ahl Sunnah, Bukhari is Sahih. Those who appear, but even according to Sunni standards of Ilm al-Rijal, Science of men, a lot of these hadiths are sahih according to their standards, yeah. Meaning the narrators according to Ahl Sunnah standards are reliable. Not every single one of them, but a lot of them are sahih, yes. So we have an issue here, it's a problem. Yes. If we know that Aisha is somebody who exaggerated a lot or made stuff up, uh, why do we sometimes take some of her stuff that praises Fatima Zahra, for example, and we cherry pick the things that we like? See, it's not about cherry picking, 
the person who, spe who exaggerates and spreads falsehood, it doesn't mean they always do that. Sometimes they'll narrate the truth too. So we have Sahih Hadiths based on Sahih Hadiths and also based on the understanding of Quran that Lady Fatima has a high status. So if there is someone who will confirm this truth, we can always cite their word regardless of who the person is because we know it's truth. We don't believe Fatima has the status because Aisha said it. No, we already have our own evidence. But if Aisha also confirmed Fatima had a high status, this works to solidify this because Ahl Sunnah believe in what Aisha says. So we tell Ahl Sunnah, look, Fatima, no dispute. We see Shia. You Sunnah, we believe she's a very high status. She's from the Ahl al-Bayt. So let's follow her. Whereas Aisha is disputed, we have a different approach. So why don't you follow someone where there's unanimous agreement that she was a, a decent woman to be followed? That's why we use her shahada. Yes, brother. We stated all those negative hadiths about Aisha. Do you think it's wise to, as like Shia, do you think it's wise to curse Aisha? Because I've heard people like Shia cursing them, but. I personally don't because it's just, I don't, it's not because I support the, her at all. See the Holy Quran does tell us to curse the enemies of Allah and the Prophet and those who hurt the Prophet, no doubt about that. But when it comes to cursing people by name publicly, if it creates tension with other sects, we have hadiths that prohibit us from doing that. Yes, in your own home you curse the enemies of Allah, yeah that's an act of ibadah, definitely, but not publicly. The last discussion we'll conclude with is. But at least, as an act of respect to the Prophet, he still misses his wife. It was his wife. Even though we don't agree with See, what he was doing. We don't accuse her of anything indecent. Yeah. Because then that could encroach on the Prophet. But if she made a, an act of disobedience, for instance, if she mobilized people against the Imam of her time, which even Sunnis believe is a big offense. I have the right according to the, Quran, to, to the Quran to curse someone who mobilizes people to fight the Imam of the time, it's a big offense. So definitely we can curse those who mobilize people against the true Imam of their time. But is it wise to mention people by name in front of other sects? No, because this creates tension. But between me and my Lord do I curse them? Absolutely, it's a sign of faith. The Quran commands us. The Quran in one verse states, those who hurt the Prophet, Allah curses them. Who am I not, not to curse if Allah is cursing them? I'll share with you some other instances of Aisha disrespecting the Prophet. We have this hadith in the book Amthal al-Hadith and basically al-Shaykh al-Asbahani is a Sunni scholar, he mentions this hadith that Aisha got angry once and she said to the Prophet, you claim you're a prophet of God and the Prophet just smiled. If you want a better source, have you heard of Sirah Halabiyya? Sirah Halabiyya is one of the works of the Sirah that even many many Sunnis they um, take the biography of the Prophet from Sirah al-Halabiyya. It's one of the 
We have Sirat Ibn Hisham and we have Sirah Halabiya. These are the two important sources on the biography of the Prophet. He mentions this hadith. Basically, the Prophet was traveling and Aisha had a camel. The camel of Aisha was quick. Safiya, the other wife of the Prophet, had a lot of uh, luggage, let's say. So she needed that camel that was faster so she could be at pace with the caravan. Because her camel was slow and you're loading a lot of things on it, she would have been, she would have been left behind. So the Prophet said, switch camels. Aisha, give your camel to her. You don't have a luggage with you, she does. That way she can make it with the caravan. Aisha got upset. Why did the Prophet ask her to switch the camels? She said, You claim you're a Prophet? The Prophet said, what did you just say? Are you, do you really doubt that I'm the Messenger of Allah? She's like, then why aren't you just? Then deal with justice. This is not Shia hadith, this is Sunni hadith. Abu Bakr was there, her father. He got so upset, he slapped her on the face. And he rebuked her. The Prophet told him, La Abu Bakr, you know, what you did was wrong. Should not have slapped her. Because remember, the Prophet's not violent, right? Even when his wives make violations, he's not gonna accept for them to be physically assaulted. The Prophet told him, didn't you just hear what she said? He says, it's okay, you know, leave her. <laughs> Why would I follow a woman like that? Who says this to the Prophet? You want another Sunni hadith? At-Tabarani, in his book Al-Awsat, and Al-Khatib al-Baghdadi, Sunni historian, in his book At-Tariqh, he says an argument happened between the Prophet and Aisha. So they had to go and get Abu Bakr to mediate, right? There's an argument, they couldn't solve it. Abu Bakr had to come and mediate. So the Prophet said to Aisha, do you want to talk first or do you want me to go? She's like, no, you go and don't say but the truth. First of all, do you tell the Prophet don't say but the truth? Like, Do you, do you really believe this guy is a Prophet or no? Don't say but the truth. When she said that, Abu Bakr slapped her on the face. Until blood came from her lips. He told her, Ya Adiyya nafsaha, you're the enemy of your own self. How do you, how, how is the Prophet going to say other than the truth? Is that even possible? So she ran towards the Prophet behind his back for protection. The Nabi, the, the Prophet told Abu Bakr, look, when we asked you to mediate, <laughs> we didn't ask you to come and hit her. I, I'm not okay with that. You know, what you did was wrong. So the Prophet rebuked Abu Bakr, you know, you shouldn't have hit her, we, we just asked you to mediate. This is Sunni hadith, my dear brothers, it has nothing to do with Shia hadith. I gave you two Sunni sources. There's also another interesting <laughs> hadith here by Tabarani. Once the Prophet he went to see Aisha and Abu Bakr was there. So the Prophet says, Ya Aisha, Aisha, you know, we're hungry, give us, get us some food. 
She said, Wallah, ma indana ta'am. I swear we don't have any food. The Prophet said again, give us some food. She said, I swear by God there's no food. <laughs> the third time the Prophet asked her, Abu Bakr kind of, uh, you know, he kind of objected to the Prophet. He's like, Ya Rasulullah, yani, uh, she's saying three times there is no food and she's taking an oath in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet said, and she said, Abu Bakr said, Inna A believing woman would not make an oath and say, Wallah, uh, I don't have food and she really does. Yani Abu Bakr was telling the Prophet, look, you know, she's a believing woman. She's not lying when she takes that, uh, when she takes that oath. You know what the Prophet said to Abu Bakr? How do you know she's a believer or no? Sunni source, not a Shia source. Strong statement from the Prophet. And then the Prophet basically rebuked, rebuked her. My dear brothers and sisters, I'm not claiming every single hadith we've mentioned is a Sahih hadith. Yeah, it's Sunni sources. Someone could say, okay, maybe somebody make a, made a mistake. Somebody had a grudge on Aisha even though he was a whatever. But what I've shared with you in three classes, with a personality that there's so much around this personality, from Surah Al-Tahreem, from the Battle of Jaman, from all the things we've discussed, the, the, the preposterous hadiths in Bukhari she said about the Prophet from our last class. Why would I follow her as my role model? Just you tell me why. Why wouldn't I follow Fatima who's pure, unscathed? Every Muslim respects her and knows she was infallible. Never did she make a mistake in her life. Or Ali ibn Abi Talib, or Imam al-Hassan, Sayyid, Sayyid Shabab al-Jannah, or Imam al-Hussein. Why would I follow her as my religious authority when there's so much controversy around her? Why? Which intellect tells you that? Okay, you're gonna sit there and justify every one of these hadiths. Fine, this hadith you'll justify it, that hadith you'll find an explanation for it. But when all of this, we have hundreds of these disturbing hadiths, the least you can say is she's a controversial figure. Why would I take her as my religious authority? Why? That's my question to Muslims today. Why take a figure who is at least a controversial figure. Okay, you have a couple of hadiths, you know, that praise her in Bukhari, such as, you know, she's uh, compared to other women, she's like the food that the Prophet loved, whatever. But th that does not change the fact that she's a controversial person. Why would I follow her and consider her the best wife of the Prophet? 